Why is Good Friday good? Even though I grew up in a Christian home and probably went to thousands of church services in my childhood and teenage years, I can't remember going to a single Good Friday service in all of those years. Then when my husband and I started Vanguard Church 24 years ago, we started having a Good Friday service. And these services have become so powerful and meaningful to me. But even with that, I don't think I could completely answer the question, why is Good Friday good, until this year. My husband, who's the senior pastor of Vanguard Church, assigned the Good Friday service to me this year, which means that I've not just been on the receiving end of a service, but I've been on the studying and the research end, preparing the message, studying the word, and asking God himself the question, what do you want me to say about why is Good Friday good? The answer I heard him speak to my soul this year has completely changed my perspective about Good Friday from being a day one has to endure through for Easter Sunday to being the day that changed the world and split history in two. Hi, my name is Tasha Williams. I'm the founder of the ministry Family Disciple Me, and I'm also the co-founder of Vanguard Church. And for Good Friday 2021, I have the privilege of sharing this message at Vanguard's Good Friday service in person and online. I would love for you to join this powerful service wherever you are, in person or via the internet. But for now, I'm going to give you a preview, or I guess I should say a pre-listen, of this message to go along with the Family Disciple Me discipleship conversation for this week. I recommend that you listen to this now prior to Good Friday so that you have a chance to process this, then have a meaningful discipleship conversation with those entrusted to you. That's what I'm going to do with my kids at home this week, and that's what I encourage you to do as well. You can find the link to the discipleship conversation that goes along with this podcast in the show notes. Good Friday was a day that, just before sunrise, began with a rooster's screech and a soul-searching stare. The night hours preceding daybreak had been long, arduous, filled with hatred and betrayal. But what happened at night was nothing compared to what was coming once day dawned. Just the evening prior, Jesus had celebrated the Passover with his disciples in the upper room. He had earnestly desired to enjoy that special moment with those closest to him, and he embraced that evening to its fullest. But even in the richness of that moment, the darkness began descending. Judas, the disciple who had betrayed Jesus, left that celebratory dinner to pursue his demons. Another disciple, Peter, made life-altering promises to Jesus that he would break within hours. The air was heavy with evil. And knowing all things, Jesus led his disciples to the Mount of Olives where he prayed and he agonized with great sweat drops of blood and he asked his followers to watch and pray with him. They, of course, couldn't keep their eyes open, so he prayed alone until it began. Soldiers 
and swords and screams. The night air was rocked with chaos. In the dark hours, there were false accusations, an illegal trial, humiliating, questioning, condemnation, and blows. Along the way, every one of Jesus' disciples fled, just as Jesus had predicted. Peter, at least, had the courage to come to the courtyard near the illegal proceedings to warm himself by the fire and keep watch. But then the bystanders there began watching him, which led to them interrogating him. Once, twice, three times, Peter lost his courage, and he began to curse, and he denied that he ever even knew Jesus. And then, immediately, the rooster's second screech. Just as Jesus had predicted, before the rooster crowed twice, Peter denied him three times. Every one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, recorded Peter's promise-breaking moment in what became his most humiliating moment that all history knows about. Now, speaking of knowing about something, I actually know something about roosters these days. You see, I've lived on a farm the last 15 years or so, and I've learned a thing or two along the way. City folk like to imagine that roosters crow a nice wake-up call, but the reality is, in my opinion, that they screech the most annoying sound at the most inopportune times. At four in the morning, at two in the morning, well before daybreak, those roosters, they're already at it, waking up the neighborhood. And here's the thing about roosters. In our modern society, we don't need roosters. We can buy our eggs from the store, and if we want chicks, we can just meal order them and have a nice little batch of hens. It's very easy and peaceful, and we can all together avoid roosters, which honestly is just fine by me. But in Peter's first century world, he couldn't do that. His culture needed roosters to carry on the cycle of life. Every family would have had their own brood, and roosters crowing would have been a most common sound. And here's the thing. For the rest of Peter's life, probably everywhere he ever went, Peter would hear roosters screech and crow, reminding him of his worst moment in life, his worst mistake, his deepest betrayal, his greatest sin. There was no escaping it. There was no denying it. There was no rewriting the awful story of what happened when he failed so badly. It was just there, his terrible, awful, most personally shameful moment. And every rooster's crow would forever remind him of that. While all four of the gospel authors took the time to record his shameful moment, Luke 22.61 adds an extra detail. Dr. Luke wrote that when the rooster crowed for the second time after Peter's third denial of Christ, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. Jesus looked directly at Peter, that soul-searching stare, 
that stare that demanded a response. And so began the daybreak of what we call Good Friday. It was a day that was terrible from the start for Peter. It was a day that by all human standards was anything but good. So why, why is Good Friday good? The short answer is that on Good Friday, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. The broader answer I have become convinced is that what happened on Good Friday cut history in half. It changed the course of humanity and is the single most important day the world has ever experienced. Decades later, the four writers of the four Gospels would give their answers about why is Good Friday good. Matthew would write in his Gospel that Good Friday is good because that is the day that the King of the Jews brought salvation to the whole world. Matthew began his gospel with, amongst other things, the story of the wise men who came saying, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star and have come to worship him. Matthew wrote, in his name, the nations will hope. And Matthew recorded that above Jesus on his cross, it said, this is Jesus, King of the Jews. But Matthew made the point that Jesus isn't just the King of the Jews. Jesus is the King of all of us. And Good Friday is good because it's good for you too. Because after his resurrection, the King of the Jews would say to his disciples, Go into all the world and preach the good news of the gospel to all nations. And you and I are included in that. In the next gospel, Mark would say Good Friday is good because that is the day that the Son of Man served us by paying our ransom. Mark 10.45 says, Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. A ransom is the liberty price. And Good Friday is good because Jesus bought our freedom. One thing that I love about Mark is that at the time of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, Mark was probably just a teenager. He wasn't one of the disciples. He was just following along and watching. It's very possible that Jesus' last supper was in Mark's mother's house. And years later, Mark would write his account firsthand because he saw it and he heard it as a kid. And then he processed it and he decided he was going to, yes, believe that Good Friday is indeed good because Jesus bought his freedom too. And then we arrive to the Gospel of Luke. Dr. Luke would say Good Friday is good because that's the day that the light of the world shined even in the darkness. We all know that Luke began his Gospel with the nativity story that we all read every Christmas. And he recorded these words, The sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Luke also recorded that Jesus said before his trials and crucifixion began, This is your hour, the power of darkness. 
But along the way of that darkness, where Jesus, the one with all authority, gave authority to the darkness, even then Jesus' light could not be hid. Luke recorded Jesus saying, Do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and your children. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. And Luke showed us that Good Friday is good because in the midst of all the darkness, Jesus was not just thinking about himself, but he was thinking about each one of us and shining his light through the darkness in our lives. So powerful. So much that can be said there. And then the beloved disciple John would say, Good Friday is good because that's the day the Lamb of God became the perfect final sacrifice to pay the price for our sin. John opened his gospel saying, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Interestingly, the first century Jewish historian Josephus wrote that in his lifetime, about a quarter million lambs were sacrificed for Passover every year just in Jerusalem. The blood flowed freely from those quarter million lambs to atone for the sins of all of those Jewish households. And that year, on Good Friday, one final lamb was sacrificed. Jesus was the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. And Good Friday is good because the price for your sin and my sin has been paid. Good Friday is good because Jesus paid the price for sin once and for all. He broke the power of darkness with the light of compassion and love. He cashed the check for the wages of our sin and offers us the gift of life instead. And he did this for the whole entire world, every single person of humanity. Which brings us back to Peter and the rooster's screech and Jesus' soul-searching stare. We left Peter frozen in time, caught in the Savior's gaze. And here's what I think Jesus was communicating to Peter in those final pre-dawn moments before the whole of Good Friday unfolded. When the rooster crowed and Jesus turned to look at Peter, I believe he was communicating this. Good Friday is good because I'm going to redeem you from that. And yes, every single time Peter heard a rooster crow the rest of his life, he was reminded of his failure. But he was also reminded that Jesus' death paid the price for that. Which brings me, friend, to us. We may not have roosters in our lives, but we each have those places that continually remind us of our brokenness our failures, our mistakes, our sin. Maybe it's a picture or a place or a name or or a scent. Maybe it's a song or a sound or a certain part of the country. Maybe it's a recurring dream or nightmare. 
Maybe we remind ourselves of our shame and our brokenness and failure and just beat ourselves up for it over and over and over. And maybe, just maybe, we're blessed with people in our lives who like to remind us of what failures we are. Jesus' gaze penetrates into our hearts and he says, Good Friday is good because I'm going to redeem you from that. And then there's not just our own sins, but the sins against us that leave hauntings of fear and brokenness, of abuse, of cruelty, of evil. You know, after what happened at King Super's grocery store in Boulder just a handful of days ago, I can hardly go to my own King Super's without feeling the terror and the wrongness of evil just laughing at me, at our culture. You have those spaces and places just like I do. A grocery store, a movie theater, a gray room, the back seat of a car, a field, a barn, a space, a place. These memories in our lives that we can't escape any more than Peter could escape the rooster's screeches. To all of this, both the sins we've committed and the sins committed against us, Jesus' soul-searching stare goes past Peter to us and says, Good Friday is good because I'm going to redeem you from that. And then he went about accomplishing what he said he would do on Good Friday, the day that split history in half and changed the world, he accomplished the redemption of that thing, of those things. And then he proved it by his resurrection on Easter Sunday. And here's the thing. In the balance between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, just like Peter, we have this weekend to ponder our response to the question, why is Good Friday good? Why is Good Friday good to you? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John would eventually write their Gospels to give their answers to that question. Peter would eventually answer that question as well. But what is your answer to that question? What is that thing or those things that you need Jesus to redeem in your life. Your answer to that question is why Good Friday is good. The rooster may not screech and crow this weekend, but Jesus' soul-searching stare is gazing at you, waiting for your answer. So go and ponder it in Jesus' name. Amen.